Should we pour the tequila shots? Gibson, welcome to the 525 Records podcast. Thanks, Elliot. That song you just heard, uh, you recorded that and uh, mixed it. <clears throat> yeah, it's been a while since I've heard that. That, that, w- that was a great Emily Kane. Yeah, Emily Kane. Milwaukee's own. The, uh, song, with a song called Super. You can find it on uh, iTunes, Spotify, everywhere else. Yeah, those, uh, there was a trio, and uh, they were some of my wife Cha's art students, and that was really the first thing that's been recorded at Maple Lane. The brand new. Yeah. Compound Annex. Songwriter. Uh, singer's name is James Kelly, and he's a, just an amazing songwriter. I freaking love that song. I know. Super, super good hooks. And, and uh, man, the low end came out pretty good. Yeah. The kick drum sounds all right. I mean, that was before you had any mics or any uh, really decent gear. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, that was all recorded in the box using the Apollo uh, eight 
I was super jelly because you got a chance to do the big time executive producer job where it's your gear, you're recording everything, you're mixing everything. Yeah. They're coming in and playing and then you got to sit there and mix and do everything post. I got to mix everything and all the post stuff. I only made a few suggestions though. They really came in and it was, they were pretty tight. Pretty easy to work with. Yeah. They'd done their practice and we just did like two passes of each song and then, uh, couple overdubs of some good guitar solo stuff and the vocals were overdubbed of course i'm just glad that you know there's some kids out there today that still have the fire to play live music and you know yeah not and electronica in my opinion have good musical taste yeah 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 they like all the same bands that i do so. and they're 30 years younger right <laughs> well uh 525 Records Podcast is brought to you today by Casa Amigos Tequila. Oh. In case you didn't know, this is the George Clooney Tequila. Are you, are you sponsored by George Clooney now? Hold on. Let me get that on mic. Oh, man. I got to ISO that. That sounds awesome. We've had a real tequila sampler kind of week. Everything. Hornitos. We had Dwayne The Rock Johnson's tequila uh, the other day, which went real quick. Yeah. Notes of sure a smooth did. vanilla finish. All right. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Hold on, I can't reach. Thanks, buddy. Going down. So what was it like? It's pretty smooth. Recording those guys. I mean, uh, well, how long, how many days tracking did you spend? That was, we did two days. The first day, we got all the basics. And um, I got the feeling or the impression from them that they thought they'd be done already because they were like super rehearsed. I was like, no, you got to come back and do overdubs. I just love how that's the first record that these guys have done. They're just a young, you know, fresh out of high school band. Yeah. First record, no money, just coming over, doing a DIY, you know? Yeah. I think they, they'd done some home recordings on their own. And James is actually pretty pretty good at the uh i don't know what platform he uses but he sent me some other demos after i recorded that and i was like what do you need me for they sound pretty good you're a big uh disc golf tournament guy <laughs> and uh, there's a crew what is it i don't want to butcher it it's the jomez crew is that it uh, they do commentary <laughs> i love watching disc golf videos everybody so and they just had the mock me all you want to but I don't play as much as I used to, but I love the sport of disc golf, and uh, I watch all the major tournaments. You know, Which the I know all the professionals. I know, you know, I know the names. Who just I won the, the Portland Open? Uh, Eagle McMahon, and that's his real name. Man, it came down to the wire. Uh, Kevin Jones really had a rough hole. Uh, he and the irony of it was he played it safe. He didn't want to test the out of bounds, so he bailed out to the left for an easy approach. And he put it a little further away than I'm sure he wanted to. But he was just going for par. He wasn't trying to get birdie. And then on his par putt, hits the cage, rolls away. And it, I think he was safe. And then, so he has to putt again for bogey. Hits the cage, rolls. It, the, the basket's on a mound. So anytime you don't hit the chains and it goes in the basket, you're in danger of rolling away. So he... He hits the band, and then it rolls out of bounds. So now he's shooting for seven, and he was the leader. He was up by two strokes, and uh, 
just like that, you know, slipped away from him. Well, big shout out to the Jomez crew. They do an unbelievable job covering these events. Yeah. The Portland Open, which just happened uh, last weekend while I was up here. I mean, they've got drones. They also have the Roadcaster, the yeah. most beautiful piece of equipment they, ever for doing They do podcasts. commentary, and their turnaround time is impressive. They're filming 18 holes of disc golf, two cameras, sometimes three, I think, but they have a catch cam and a, a cam at the tee. And then, uh, so they take all the footage that they capture probably by 6 p.m., I don't know, whenever the round finishes. They edit it all, and they have a crew come in and do commentary, basically watching the edited footage. They also do graphics, like follow flights. You never see a mess up. You uh, never see a mistake or a post-production yeah. flub or No, they're, they're solid. They've kind of... They've done a lot for the sport, I think. They kind of, they revolutionized the coverage of disc golf, and uh, yeah, unless it's a Jomez Pro video, I don't, I don't really watch it unless it's a player they're doing something awesome like a highlight. The best shot is they do these uh, biographies, these little bio pieces on yeah. the actual golfers. They've gotten into that. The the music is very uh, Olympic like. There's a backstory. Yeah. It's everything. Well, everything is slow mode. So Jonathan Gomez or Jomez, his brother does all the music for them. He composed their theme, which is it's actually a really catchy song. And you know, not my style of music. It's not something I would seek out to listen to. But it's very relaxing, and and it you know instantly when you hear that song. You're like, oh, here's a Jomez Pro video. You know. Um, it's you know pretty impressive stuff. I mean, some athletes may do squats or uh, bench presses or run, you know, ten miles a day. The best is when they show these guys. You know, they're like stretching out. It's it's all about the elbow and getting the most yeah. you can on a hyzer. And uh, Elliot just learned the word hyzer the other day. He tried to make a drinking game out of it. What is the opposite of hyzer? Anti-hyzer. Anheuser. Anheuser. So yeah. that's a reverse hyzer. Yeah, it's just where you angle the disc. If you're right-handed, you know, everyone knows what a frisbee does when you throw it. So if you angle it to go to the right instead of naturally to the left, that's called Anheuser. You think we could get Eagle McMahon on the 525 Records podcast? I mean, I mean if he saw some value in it. <laughs> there is no value. All right. Well... Now we've covered disc golf. I mean, bro, we're just getting started on disc golf. Are we going down lawnmower videos and everything? Or <laughs> you know who else I like watching though? It's Rick Beato. That yeah, dude, a shame what happened to his channel. What happened to it? The DMCA. I mean, they're getting demonetized. It's just music copyright. Yeah, you know, they're fucking. Not all of his stuff. You know what the thing about him is? He he doesn't really make money. A lot, like, I think the majority of his videos are demonetized because, at least the What Makes the Song Great videos, because he uses the song, he has the multi-track there. And it's, it's really cool because, you know, all these famous songs he goes through and, you know, he's like, what makes this song great? What, what about this song is, you know, what people like? And so he'll ISO the vocals and he'll ISO the kick drum and show you the fills and, you know, say listen to these guitars and like when they're blended just with the bass and how you know how they interact together so but because he's playing the 
band's song, all the all that money's going to the artist, you know. He's not really getting any revenue from his views and all that. Well, it should be a complete fair use. You well, know. There, his latest video was he finally filed a fair use because he was doing a... Educational you know, an education, commentary. It was an educational video, and he was cover. He was basically he didn't sing the song. He just played the chords, and I think it was uh, "Ramble On." It was Zeppelin, and whoever whoever owns the publication or the publishing rights for that Zeppelin song, um, someone in the office was like, "Yep, no, we're gonna demonetize this." You uh, know, if we and played. Ramble on on the podcast right now. Jimmy Page would get a text, and then immediately, yeah, someone be notified. But again, he didn't. All he did was play. He was talking about interesting chord structure and what makes a song not boring, right? And so he used that as an example. He used several other examples in the video. And again, he's just playing the chords. He's not covering it. He's not singing the lyrics. Not doing anything. And uh, he only, I think, he only filed the fair use dispute because everyone comments you should do that you know normally he just I, I think in some videos he does a rant like a follow-up video where he rants about this is bs you know and this is why and and a lot of them get taken down and like the, the same thing is happening on twitch right now where if you have a, a twitch stream whatever game you have music it, it has to be so low in the background and you have to be talking so continuously <laughs> otherwise they will just totally yeah. If they don't nuke the stream, they'll at least block the audio, which is a real pain in the butt. Can we have some music in the background? I think we're at, at this album, we're at kind of a crossroads in our career. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we'll know within the next five or six months what the future will be.
I could, I couldn't, I could never produce anyone because I don't have the patience for it. I think that's the main thing is who's ever producing or engineering has to have incredible patience just to sit there for hour after hour after hour. Yeah. Like you can get up for a while, a few hours, and split and come back and all that, but he's got to be there all the time. Uh, partway through the trial, in which he uh, traced the origin of uh, 
freedom of speech, and uh, which goes side by side with uh, the the origin of drama, actually, the, the right of a dramatist to uh, or an artist to uh, state his views without coming under legal pressure. And it was it was a brilliant. Uh, summary of that historical process, but I, it didn't have any effect. A brilliant summary of that historical process, yet it didn't have any effect. That was Jim Morrison when he had his famous trial. His lawyer made this brilliant summary about the origins of free speech and how you can trace it back to the very early origins of the dramatists. Was that, was that, so the real question is, did Jim Morrison think to say that, or was that just what his lawyer was saying so that he uh, no. remembered and recited that. No, his lawyer came up with that whole argument, yeah. which, of course, is brilliant, and it makes right. total logical sense. Right. And you would think but would is Jim Morrison a genius that would come up with that, or is he just, like, regurgitating what he'd uh, heard his defense lawyer saying? No, come on. Look, you know, only just a saying. lawyer can come up with that kind of <laughs> brilliant... <laughs> Those recordings are better than I remember them, E-Train. Good job. That song was Chandra by the yeah. Great Bird Politics. <laughs> that was also on the little Apollo, right? Fronted by Seth Gibson. Yeah. You wrote the song? I, I wrote those songs. The first one we heard um, has been traveling with me for a long time. Uh, I wrote that down when I was living in Austin. And I was, I was really proud of it. It was like the first song I was happy with writing in a little while. You know the demo. I know John hates the ending of Chandra, like because he wasn't doing what he intended at the very end. Is there anything John doesn't hate? Well, what a stupid question! <laughs> you motherfucker! <sighs> you bastard! You got all the sound rights. The great John Rasmussen. Can you pull me? Why don't you pour me a little uh, George Clooney there? Give me a Clooney cut, buddy. The 525 Records podcast brought to you today by Casa Amigos Tequila Blanco. This is the George Clooney Cha. tequila. Uh, if you don't know about the celebrity tequila market, it is off the rails right now. Everybody that's anybody is making their own tequila and then charging exorbitant prices. I mean, we paid so much for this bottle, it should be fucking criminal. I mean, it's not that. It's $43. Which I guess is a lot for that size bottle. Fucking ridiculous. I'm sure it's just your average run of the mill. I mean, it tastes great. Yeah. It's got notes of a smooth vanilla finish. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Cheers. All right. Cheers to the 525 Records podcast, Seth Gibson edition. Brought to you by Casamigos Tequila. Surprisingly smooth. It's, kind of got like a it's got notes of a smooth yeah. vanilla finish. Oh, good job, John. Well, it's time on the Five Two Five Records podcast for drunk dialing on a Wednesday. We're gonna call some people, see what happens. We may not get anybody. This is a bit directly ripped off from the Doug Stanhope podcast where they do drunk dialing, but we are drunk dialing on a Wednesday. Hello. Alpha. Uh, Seth. Stupid question. Oh, man. How's it going? Can what you... are you doing? 
Yeah. What are you guys doing? I'm sitting in the sun having a cocktail. What the oh, fuck man. is this? You're live on a, a podcast right now. I'm on a podcast right now? What a stupid yeah. question. You tricksters, you. Do you hear those sound bites? Okay. Is it John? Yeah. John the sound bite? Yeah, John's Ugh. the <laughs> I look like an ogre, but I got the voice of a fucking angel. Yeah. Right, I see a button that you're pushing that's saying that stuff. Is that you, how this works? Yeah, you know, Elliot's pushing the buttons and you've got it exactly. Alpha, welcome to the Fetch Five Records podcast. You are live on the air. Wow, you caught me at a great time. I'm sitting outside in the sun three blocks from the beach with a cocktail. Oh, wow, that awesome. sounds amazing. Yeah. Talk yeah. about talk about Seth Gibson a little bit. This is the Seth Gibson episode number two. Oh, the ingenue become rock star. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, I met Seth when he was a little kid, actually, next door to my house. True. Um, we he would come and spend the summer. Yep, he would come and spend the summer from the East Coast, and um, all the Gibson boys, all three of them would come. Um, every summer and they had a, co- a cocker spaniel that would hump its soccer ball. Oh yeah. Uh, Barney, yep. Barney Google. Barney. What yeah. the Barney fuck is Google. this? Mhm. So that was one of the memorable things about the Gibson family was Barney Google. My most um, memorable thing was uh the school bus in your driveway. Mhm. And that was pretty actually amazing. Just wrote an essay about that. Yeah. Just wrote a whole essay about that and my dad actually. That's awesome. What is yeah. the scene? What is the scene like over there? What are you doing right now? And seaside. Yeah. Uh, today I worked on a construction site and I loaded a huge trailer um, with probably a couple thousand pounds worth of construction debris. Um, it was partially for money, and it was partially because I need a beach bod for Mexico in wow. September. Where are you going? So. Going to Puerto Vallarta in September. Ooh, nice. I'm graduating from college. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. So then then I didn't know Seth very well. So let's get back to Seth for a minute here. Let's get I back. didn't know Seth well. Let's get back to Seth. I didn't know Seth. Seth well. Let's get back to and Seth then, real quick. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I I um I took an adventure with my brother John. John, are you there? Ugh. What a stupid question. <laughs> Is it is that a button that you're putting? John is not here, Alpha. <laughs> it's just me and me and E Train. <laughs> okay, so um, that's amazing. But uh, we got on a bus to visit uh, Seth's older brother Kyle on uh, in Pittsburgh, where he was in art school, and um, and then I brought my Alpha Noise tape. Not um, to, you know, just talk about me the whole time, but well, I brought it. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, 525 Records just released the Alpha Noise album back in uh, December. It's I know, still I'm, I'm getting a huge response. I really appreciate press. it. You're actually, you're actually leading the streaming revenue <laughs> category, believe it or not. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you a number because it'll disappoint you, but you are well, bl- blowing <laughs> the other artists away. Hey, I've, I I know, I know for a fact that I came to a pool party recently in Portland. And somebody was like, who I've known as an acquaintance for years, was like, um, um, I'm just going to say it. Um, now I'm a super fan. And I was like, what? What's happening? Alpha noise. <laughs> and, and I was like, what? And she's like, I heard alpha noise. And I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> yeah, you can hear alpha noise <laughs> on all your favorite streaming platforms, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, uh, you know, 
wherever music is available. Check it, it out. It was really, it was a surreal experience, actually. I was like, okay, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I think I, I uh, was out in Portland for a summer. I was like 16. And uh, I think you gave me that little secret about, oh, if you want a bass drum, you just tap on that microphone, you know? Like, uh, oh, yeah. Boom, I use boom, that ch- trick. Boom, boom. Ch- so yep, yep. a lot of the percussion I- on my project was probably, you know, biting off yours. Um, I didn't use a lighter for a snare, but, you know, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely used that tap on the... Yeah, uh, like- 57. Great memory for detail, Seth yeah. Gibson. Great memory for detail. John, are you there? John? Ugh, what a... S- Stupid question. What the fuck is this? John <laughs> <laughs> um, was my graphic designer, and uh, my I had a photographer named Lauren Bailey who did the inside photography on the cover, and John took the layout. I had a whole vision of how this cassette should look. <laughs> yeah, here, listen to this. This is the uh, base on cigarette lighter snare. Can you hear that? Yep. I mean, how awesome is that? That is the flick of a bit. That's the flick of a bit. This is home recording. I was under the influence of marijuana cigarettes at the time, too. That's where the lighter came into play. I'm kind of getting, I'm going to be honest, I'm getting back to my roots. Um, I got the I got a new interface that works with GarageBand, and I'm just gonna treat it like a four track in the old days. I've also been doing a lot of writing, like just actual writing, essays and and writing. Yeah. And I want to apply it to uh, lyrics again. And um, I'm just kind of I've got a new a new um, energy right now. I feel like. Which I like it. Hasn't been there for a long time. Yeah. I need to get that energy back. I don't feel like I've written a new song in forever. You have such an amazing singing voice. You're an amazing guitarist. You were the ingenue become songwriting genius. Well, thank you. And uh, I miss the Senators. It's one of my favorite bands that ever existed on planet Earth. Well, we were just talking about uh, Panka and Three Pound Universe the other night on the Burr Politics. Oh, yeah. The many names of that band. Of that manifestation. And Freak Freely. And Freak Freely... Three pound dick was the first variation, but then it was like, ah, ah. me and John are brother and sister in the same band. So you it know, wasn't, do we need to call our band three pound dick? It <laughs> wasn't just a joke. That was an actual band name because that was quite a debate on the yeah, other podcast funny. that John said. Yeah, no, settle that debate right now. It was a name shortly. Shortly. Shortly John lived. said it was just a yeah. joke and that it was always three pound universe and that you guys just said that as no. a joke. No, yeah, no, but we were lit also before lit became famous. And this right. is, a, is a, a really, <laughs> a really true story. <laughs> a really true story is that I met, um, I met the band Lit. Oh, really? And as I was, I had still had that. So we had had that band name, um, same band, Pinka, but pre-Pinka, we were Lit. We loved our band name, our tape case art. 
uh, theme was Barnum and Bailey Circus tent um, engravings on fire. And um, I would say things like, we're lit and we hope you are too, or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> don't think. And um, we, we loved our name. We owned our name and we loved it so much. And then uh, we booked a show at uh, Captain Ankeny's downtown Portland. And I had a job that started at 2 a.m. like a weirdo. So it was for the railroad. And um, we ha- I had to be done at midnight, right? I had to finish work by midnight, load up, and be at work at 2 a.m. Very weird time in my life. But So I asked if we could be the opening act, please. No matter how many people we brought, can we please be the opening act? They said yes. We got there and I said, no, 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 you're late. Um, you're headlining. And I said, nope, we can't headline. we got to switch it up. i got to work tonight. And they were like, no, 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 you're lit from San Francisco, right? No and way. I was like, no, I don't know who that is. What a stupid and they were like, question. You had the same fucking booking as lit? The no, other lit? they thought we were a more famous band. Right. They thought we were the other lit. But you guys were the playing the same agent. show? No, they thought we were them. Oh, so they man. put us in the headlining slot because they were already getting radio play. <laughs> and you're like, can, can we get our check first, please? <laughs> I wish we could have got paid. It turned into a deal. They did put us second. I was late to work. Um, and they said, you have a problem because there's another band with your name and they're getting really famous. They're on the radio. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. And um, so fast forward now. The uh, night that I was uh, hanging out at a strip club and I saw Marconi from KNRK, the radio DJ. I remember that guy. And, yeah. So I, I had known him. I had known him from the strip club a little bit. So we start running around together and he says, we have to go to um, Sassy's tonight. And I go, okay, we'll take a cab to Sassy's. We're getting loaded. The and world famous Sassy's. Yeah. World famous Sassy's. There's a, a, a rope and a cable and some guys sitting behind like a velvet rope, like a VIP area. We go over there. And we're hanging out, and I'm like, who's this? And he's like, oh, this is the band Lit. They played in town tonight. And I was like, motherfuckers. What are the odds? <laughs> wow. Is there a fist so, fight? I infiltrated their after party. No way. Very cleverly. No oh, way. yeah. I went downtown. I went back to their hotel room. They had a suite on the top of, well, I don't know what it is now, but it had a great view, and it was a big hotel room. And there was all these people partying. And I was like chatting with the drummer all night and I think he thought he was flirting with me and I was getting really loaded and I said, you know what? You stole my band name when I was wasted, right? Man. (laughs) And he goes, what? Because these guys were older than me, really, literally, they're older than than us by a while. They had been at it for a while, you know? And uh, I'm like, you stole my band name. But my name was Lit, and you guys stole my name. And he, like, so schooled me. He was like, you know how hard we've worked? You know how long we've played? We've had this name for over 10 years. We've played every shitty club. We own this name. It's our name. We're finally getting recognized. And he was like, fuck, pissed, right? And then he goes, you know who you remind me of? <laughs> and I was like, who? And he goes, Ali Sheedy from The Breakfast Club, crossed with the band camp girl from American Pie. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> wow, you remember that diss? That's a, oh, because it hit real close to home. <laughs> I was like, um, I think you kind of nailed it. I'm not gonna lie, and now I'm gonna leave. <laughs> and that's a true motherfucking story, right wow. there. 
That's amazing. That was awesome, yeah. and it was podcast gold. <laughs> it, it it was real. It happened. I hope that um whoever what his whatever his name is from the band lit actually hears this podcast. Well, and it's like I remember that night. That will never happen. For for what it's worth, rule. for what it's worth, if I had to listen to lit or lit, it would be your lit. Seth Gibson, my guest today on the podcast, the current bass player in the band Les Cash. Oh, yeah. However, the first ba- bass player was none other than our phone guest, Alpha Rasmussen. I was wondering, Alpha, mm-hmm. could you maybe just take us down memory lane as the original first bass player in Les Cash? Oh, yeah. You know, um, I think Les Cash was very liberating for both me and John. John there? Ugh. What a stupid question. <laughs> what the fuck is this? Um, okay, so, um, yeah. So me and John had worked. We, we have this duo project, which has never played live or never really finished any songs, actually, our whole life since we were kids. Um, we spin our wheels and we bounce off each other and we overanalyze and we overwrite and overstructure and cut each other down, build each other up. It's a very dramatic brother-sister relationship. And then Mark starts um, playing the guitar and writing all these songs like prolifically like so many songs like all the time and um, me and John realized that we can just be a creative uh, rhythm section for the first time collaborating together because I was always writing with a bass player with John. John's a good writer. John participates in writing actively as a drummer. He as really you guys know. does. He yeah. really does. Yeah, he's, True he's a writing He needs drummer. publishing yeah. credits. Yeah, he's a writing drummer for sure. Um, but this was just different this time because we could get as detailed and tight. And we're, we have a, um, you know, that kind of psychic connection that happens with siblings with um, music where we don't have to talk about things that used to frustrate our bass player Bronson a lot because we wouldn't discuss anything and we would just start making changes without actually verbalizing anything and Bronson would be like quit it quit it with your psychic shit you know like I you gotta clue me into what's happening so me and John could do this behind Mark like um like a palette for Mark to write songs upon kind of you know so it's really a relieving like I don't know how to express it but just a a really freeing, liberating, fun time in that band. 525 Records, uh, the genesis of it was the house that we lived in for a long time. It was 525 Southeast Lincoln Street. They sold it. It was torn down. It is a gravel pit today. And out of its death was rebirthed the 525 Records record label. And, the Phoenix uh, Rising from the the cement uh, parking lot that it is as as a former resident and a big contributor to that old 525 records house i was wondering if you could just take me back and uh, what are some of your favorite memories if you have any well i was one of the very first actual roommates there back in the 95 maybe i want to say maybe even earlier because um jason lauren and Somebody else had moved in. I can't remember who. Jennifer Lewis, maybe. And uh, they need they couldn't swing that uh, six ninety five rent. You know what? An arm and a leg. Arm and a leg back then. So I moved into the dining room, which we know that that became 
sort of the so the actual living room became the recording studio. The 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 other room, the dining room, kind of became the hang room slash control room if you need, you know, isolation or whatever. So I moved in there as a young. Uh, I think I turned 21 when I lived there. So, yep, I turned 21 when I lived at 525 first time around. And, uh, well, gosh, there's decades of memory, literally. It, it, it was literally you. decades, right? I mean, yeah. I remember going there yeah. as an underage kid with my brother, Kyle. It was decades. I think Kyle yeah, was so a roommate there for a while. Kyle, I mean, who didn't live there is more right. of a question. <laughs> um, it's easier to actually set out who didn't live there. But I remember, um, yeah, I Do remember. You, uh, tell me about the party. Do you remember the epic party we had there? I mean, there was, it was just wall-to-wall people. We had a bunch of bands. The cops got called. They shut yeah. us down. That was the Central East Side Industrial District Music Festival. Okay, well, you promoted the F out of it, and somehow it had you know, hundreds of people showing <laughs> it's up. It's called the CEID Music Festival, just to shorten Central East Side Industrial District Music Festival. <laughs> The most amazing party that had ever been held at the Fatu Five House, which is really saying a lot. I mean, there was yeah, because it had Rasmussen um, had uh, headlining, ideally headlining, and we got to squeeze in like what two songs before the cops really shut it down. Right. Yeah. Or who, did who was that? Or did um, who? And I think we weren't the headliner. I think we were second to last. We got. A, um, no, you guys were headlining. Us Lights played okay. right before you guys. And Us Lights. I was trying to remember their manifestation because they were brothers young and different bands. Those they absolutely brought the house down. They fucking played so good. Oh. They destroyed the place. Then you guys went yeah. up after that, and that's when the cops came. Yeah. You know how many hamburgers? We had a 300, um, 300 combination of hamburgers and hot dogs. We had food to feed 300 At the people house? There. It was the most yeah. epic well, party that was 5 uh, had ever seen. Walk me, I wasn't there, so walk me through the macro of it. Was it in like a neighborhood party, or was it just something that was had this at 525? This was at 525, bleeding over into John's house a little bit, but not much. Everyone was crammed in around the band. Wall to wall people, the entire backyard, basement, living room. You and uh, I want to talk about so my one venue. MX Mike. Five two five. MX Mike right now. I want to talk about Mike for a second. Not only is he is his own phenomenal musician. So I see someone at that party that I just get a vibe from and he's sitting on the front porch because he's just kind of not, he's talking to a lot of people, but he doesn't know anybody. But anyway, I see this guy and I don't like the cut of his jib. So I get Mike because Mike <laughs> is the motherfucking sleeper. He's the one. He will choke you, you the fuck out. You call, you go to Mike. Because Mike will be able to talk someone out the door or kill them. One of the two. He's just that guy. <laughs> he's a black belt in jujitsu. Yeah, he's got those skills. And a and good so, poker player, from what I understand. Short, he, 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 I get him, and he susses out the dude. And I'm like, dude, I think this guy doesn't know anybody here, and he's giving me sketchy answers, and I think he needs to go. Time for and a Mike rear naked choke. <laughs> Mike bounced him. He talked him off the porch and talked him away. Out of hundreds of people, but his vibe was so negative that I was super, super cool with that. Like, Mike, yep, props. Hey, guys, can I leave the podcast now? You can. Okay, I got to go. I'm being rude. Alpha Rasmussen, thank you. Crew. Drunk Dallin on a Wednesday. Thanks for calling in. Or actually, thanks for receiving our call. 
to the Fetchy Fetchy. Um, I hope I see you guys in person really soon, like maybe next week or something. Sounds good. Maybe Wednesday. Pencil me in for Wednesday, a Wednesday appearance. You're penciled in. Okay. Love you guys. Love you too. Love you too. Seth's, oh, this is a Seth Gibson podcast. So if you really want to get down and dirty and know the real Seth Gibson, there's a couple things that I want the public to know. Are you ready, E-Train? Making its second appearance in two consecutive episodes because the song is so good. This is Lonely Soldier by the band Penka, fronted by Alpha Rasmussen. <laughs>
in front of the camera right now. Yeah. This is a... It's a producer's note, you know? Yo. Yo, 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 yo. Cesar, welcome to the 5 5 Records podcast. You are live on the air right now. Nice, dude. What's up? How's it going, man? How you been? Good, man. Fucking, uh, excuse my, technology's not been participating uh, very well with me. So I have these damn earbuds on. So I hope you guys can hear. Can you guys hear me clearly? Yeah, we're, we are uh, Bluetoothing you through. Sound pretty clear to me. A brand new toy oh, cool. that I have called a Roadcaster. It lets you pipe in phone calls and do podcasts at the same time. Cesar Aguilar, welcome to the Factory 5 Records podcast. Uh, my guest today is Seth Gibson, and he played in a band with you for a little while in Austin, Texas, and uh, you guys know each other pretty well. So in- inevitably, you came up during the course of our podcast, and we thought, you know, let's do some drunk dialing. Drunk dialing on a Wednesday. <laughs> Who can we call? So we, uh, we called you. What's the scene awesome. like over there? Describe Austin, Texas today. What was your uh, day like? Well, dude, um, you know what? It's, Austin's kind of been like the freaking Northwest. I mean, what I hear in terms of weather, like it, you know, the, the kind of the, the thinking when you're from somewhere like Texas is that it's always rainy and, and uh, you know, you guys are always getting rained on in, in, in your neck of the woods. And Austin has been that way, man. It's such uncharacteristic weather, man. Basically, you know, all of May was rainy, all of a- um, all of April was rainy, and we have just been kind of overcast for you know, a better part of, I would say, sixty days. And then fi- finally, um, it kind of broke. It kind of broke uh, this this week, where it's like finally it's like hot and you know getting some blue skies and back to the normal freaking texas heat man tell me about the ice storm back in uh, march or maybe it was february <laughs> oh dude the entire you city know, was of, out of power for days and days i mean it was a national headline yeah you know what's funny man anytime i talk about the weather i think about that um that rem song that i think they all hated the shiny happy people where he says should should we talk about the weather should we talk about the government or something like that you know you know what you know song i'm talking about i think so yeah anyway man I, anytime i find myself talking about the weather i always think about that lyric i used to make fun of that song i was like but you know inevitably as people we're going to talk about the weather i mean <laughs> The entire city of Austin was without power for, you know, days upon end. I mean, where was it for your own predicament? I mean, did you guys lose power? Did you lose water? Was there icicles hanging from the ceiling fan? I mean. You know what? It's funny, dude. Um, My sister called it. She goes, man, this year has been terrible. It's like COVID. First it was COVID. Now we have snowvid. So, I mean, that kind of gives you a, a general idea of, Dude, it was traumatic, man. It was, I mean, Carla and I, I would say I was kind of on the verge of a, of a little bit of a breakdown just because, um, yeah, I mean, first of all, like we never have gotten down to two degree weather. It was like two degrees Fahrenheit, you know, and other parts of the, of the country, obviously that's something that they all go through, but it's not common here. 
So on the first day that it happened, there was all this snow, and I was like, ooh, this is kind of cool, right? It's like it was all this powdery snow. It was awesome. And we're like, ah, oh, we'll be okay. But then, like, the reality started hit, hitting me that, like, we don't have plumbing that could that can withstand this type of temperature. Right. And so, so Carla's, like, hopping on, like, Reddit and, like, just hearing all over the city that, you know, people's, people's uh, their plumbing, pipes are busting, you know, water's leaking through ceilings, homes are getting ruined, and we're like, and it just was like this um, kind of this just like sense of impending doom, you know? So what happened then on the, to you guys? I mean, did you guys lose power? Did you lose water? I mean, how bad did it get over there? In, well, uh, well, yeah. Yeah, so on the second day, we had sleep nights with freezing temperatures, and that's when everything went to shit, dude. Um, shortly thereafter, we lost, we lost water. Uh, we might've lost power for just a bit, man. We were really lucky, dude. We were in this little alcove that didn't get hit with a trifecta where you were like losing water, um, electricity and heat. So fortunately for us, we lost water. But we were, um, we had electricity for the most part and we had heat because we have a, you know, a gas, natural gas, um, furnace. Natural gas saved the day for a lot of people down there. Yeah, dude. Dude, we were, dude, we were straight up, I was straight up melting snow so we could bathe. Oh, yeah. And, you know, crazy. The reports that I heard was it was very sporadic. Like, depending on what part of Austin you were in, was everything. You know, if you were in one part, you'd be totally fucked. And if you were in another part, you were like unchanged. It was, you know, really, really, you know, sectored out. But anybody that had natural gas, like, made it through. They had a fireplace, they had a stove. Seemed like. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if, well, but that's the thing. There was reports of, you know, some of, some of the gas going out. I mean, it was just to your point, like you didn't know what you were going to get hit with. You didn't know whether you were going to get hit with your electricity going out one day and, or, and then your heat going out the next day and then your water going out the next day. I think for Carl and I, what we decided was in a situation like that, it's like, so long as we had the heat, we were going to be okay because we could, we had plenty of snow to melt and we could light up candles, you know, for light. And, uh, but the heat was like the one thing that was going to be the, uh, the deal breaker for us. If we lost heat, then we were going to end up in a pretty miserable spot. As did a lot of people who were just sitting in their cars, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, an entire night. I think a number of people died sitting in their cars due to carbon monoxide. Uh, poisoning, you know, I mean, there was really, from what I understand, you know, there was a shortage of electricity, but for the most part, it was the providers that refused to pay the exorbitant prices, uh, you know, to be, yeah, able you to, can, you can say, you can say it. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's a shit show a and it's just like, and total shit show, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know, this is, you know, the pitfalls of like unregulated capitalism and this is what it does. You know what I mean? It's like, it's Enron all over again. Well, it's also like it, 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 you, you, you learn to live with the greed until a situation like this puts a magnifying glass on it. Right. And you're like, 
okay, yeah, so this is, you know, basically we're at these people's mercy. And when the shit hits the fan, when Mother Nature shows you that, like, like who really runs the show, right? Um, then, you know, these guys get caught with their pants down and, uh, you know, and, and there's a lot of human collateral. There's people dying in their homes simply because, because we can't plan for shit like this and, and they can't get a basic human resource. <laughs> like heat in their home. The cold comes all the way down the wheat belt, you know? It goes all the way down the plains. That's what I remember from living down there anyway. It's like we get the moisture from the Gulf, and then that blast of cold air comes all the way down through, you know, Nebraska and Kansas, and it, and it reaches all the way down. It, Dallas, I'm sure, got messed up too. It's usually where, like, Austin oh, might dude, be like oh. the, outer reaches a lot of times like a lot of times austin will get that initial cold blast but for some reason it like stayed over you guys too i don't know right well dude dude to your point man there's like a pretty uh during that storm there's a pretty um what's the word i'm looking for here kind of a viral um video clip of a you know what i think was probably like anywhere from a 30 to 50 car pile up in Dallas, man. And dude, I mean, it's just, oh man, it's just straight brutal. Dude. You're just watching these cars one after another. I'm like, oh my God, I, I had to turn it off. It's like cars are flying over each other and shit. It's just, it's just insane, man. You're like, this, this looks like a freaking, you know, some kind of action movie that the guy that does the Terminator movies, <laughs> you know, I remember that. Like, it was national headlines. That? It was national headlines. Yeah. yeah. The same things happened in California in the F5 during fog storms, but basically nobody can see in front. And so it's just a, you know, a, a video game apocalyptic car crash where just one after the other just keeps crashing <laughs> yeah. in. Crazy. Yeah, I don't mean to laugh, dude. That's not the right response, but it just, you know, when you say video, I mean, it, it, you kind of look at it and you're, you're just in such disbelief, man, because it's like, holy shit, no way that, it's like, all right, that's got to be it. And then now there's another five that slam right into it. You're like, holy fuck, how do, how do these guys not see this? You know, how do they not perceive that? Um, but I guess it's just so little time and you're skidding on ice, you know? I mean, can't we all agree that the best way to approach death is by laughing, right? Isn't that the old saying, laugh in the face of death? I mean. I, I, I can get down with that, man. I can get down with that. Welcome to the 525 Records podcast, <laughs> where we laugh in the face of death. <laughs> um, so what's going on in Austin these days, man? What have you been up to? Dude, um, you know, um, I changed job recently. Uh, I ran a half marathon. What? Uh, You're a runner? Yeah, man. I, 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 the, the pandemic... Uh, quarantine's been good to me, man, you know, in that I, I knew that, you know, I knew that like isolating was not going to work for me like this. I mean, I, I like working from home. I've been able to work from home for the better part of a year. And, um, but I was like, I'm going to need to do something. And, and I'd been trying to like, um, 
I've been trying to, you know, establish a running routine and I just kept on getting injured, dude. Like I would injure my calf, I would injure my hip, I would roll an ankle and I was, it was just like all these injuries, dude. I was like, shit, man, I'm never going to be able to do this. But anyway, long story short, I finally, after months and months of practicing and, and, and developing, you know, I've been able to, you know, it's been a good, a good new passion to develop and you know i've been you know running running some long distances man it's been nice that's crazy so a half marathon i don't know that i could run around the block i couldn't right now to be honest with you both i couldn't run to the bathroom you know what's funny dude is that um i formed like a little run club down here and everybody's like nah man i don't think i can do i don't even think i can do a mile and everybody that I've taken on a, on the run has done three miles with me on their first run. Pushing through Isn't it. Isn't that crazy? That's awesome. Yeah. No, no, dude, it's not even that. It's just this mental thing. That's where the run, that's why this has been so cool, man, because like when you run long distances, man, there's just a lot of self-talk that goes on. I can't, I won't be able to do it. Why the fuck am I doing this? This shit sucks. What's the point? Oh my God, my hip hurts. Oh my God, my ankle hurts. And like, we start developing this mental toughness about the whole deal where like, you're like, oh, the pain is temporary. I can always like, you know, stretch or use a foam roller or some kind of massage gun. And just that, that, that routine of doing it, man, has been so good for, I just find a lot of parallels with it. It's all uh, long distance run, long distance running, and 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 uh, you know just life, dude. It's, it's a it sounds corny, man. I'm not trying to be all like cliche and cheesy, but there, it's just it's just been that for me. It's been cool, man. It's been a cool thing. We jammed the Beyonder just a little bit ago, Cesar. Dude, dude. We just I was, uh, man. I was like, is he going to be okay with this? This one, he'll be okay with. We 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 were gonna put like a. Elliot started playing a demo iPhone recording and I was like, I don't know if he's going to be okay with you putting this out, you know? We're going to this one. We're going to play the Beyonder and then I'm hoping you can do some director well, DVD commentary.
Not all that. Becca was freaking Beto. out on that simple crash. Goosh, goosh, goosh. And then sometimes he just set back, you know? Yeah. Uh, dude. That song was The Beyonder. That was a demo. The band was Spectre in the Cab. We never... My like, guest today on the uh, podcast is none other than uh, Seth Gibson. On the line with us, luckily, for the 525 Records podcast, Colin is the great Cesar Aguilar. You guys did that song together. Yeah, that was a long time ago, dude. Like 20, 2009, 2010, maybe. Um, yeah. I you love that I first started playing with Go. them. They were Spectre in the Cab. It was just, they were a duo just guitars and just drums and they were amazing and then i was lucky enough to start playing bass with them and and uh coinciding with that was i was uh uh, training or studying at the recording conservatory austin and uh, we did a demo and uh that was like one of the songs that we had written that was just beyond the five purple songs ep of the specter in the cab but before the haunted amps and so it was one of those things that it could have been a song on an album, but it just, it was like an in, be- it was an in-betweener, you know? It was this- Cesar, yeah. you have a line in that song that absolutely floors me. It's something about, uh, you want the kingdom with golden pension. Right. Are those the accurate lyrics? Yeah, you want the, to my knowledge, I think it says, you want the kingdom with the golden pension. What does that mean to you? And what inspired you to write that? What does it mean to you? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it means the Good age-old answer. American dream of, uh, you know, you, you want to be president. You, you, you want to be CEO. You, you, you want the dream to come true, and then you don't have to work ever again. The golden pension. You know, um, I think that, yeah, it could certainly mean that. Um, you know, I like to, I like to hear what other people hear, you know what I mean? Or what it mean, what, what it means to them, you know, it was 10 years ago, 11 years ago, maybe that that song was written. And, um, dude, I'm fascinated with words, man, because I think that if you put them together in a certain way, they can have this really kind of, um, um, you know, this kind of psychedelic effect on you where you're like, if you hear them and you like hear them combined with a song, like you can't help but feel something that makes you feel like just a little bit different than just being like, you're, you know, your everyday human doing your everyday shit. You know what I mean? That's what, that's what certain, certain songs have done that to me when I hear a certain lyric combined with, you know, uh, certain instrumentation and I sit with it and like, I, I can be taken by it and be like, I, I don't feel like I feel something beyond being human. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love your fascination with the interpretation of the listener because that's the one side of lyric or poetry writing that is like, you know, it's the other half. If well, you will. the listener also puts their own experience on your art. Like, look, I can still look back to eighth grade listening to Cat Stevens while reading Lord of the Rings at the same time. And so every time I, you know, sometimes I hear Cat Stevens' song and I'm just, I'm brought back to that place in my life where, you know, everything was magical. You know, 
you know, before you realize you have to become an adult and uh you know it's just it's like an imprint and so sometimes that happens as well like with when you hear a song you you take what's going on in your life and you kind of you you yeah the two, well, you the know, two actually, are joined you know yeah dude I, it's so funny that you bring that up brother because i was thinking about that that kind of time traveling feature of music right where you can hear a song and you can be, um, uh, you know, transplanted to that, that time that, you know, that that particular song evokes in your memory or whatever the case may be. And, dude, that's a real fucking crazy thing in and of itself if you think about it, right? Where it's like a song. And, I mean, you can be in that experience, like, as if it was really happening. Right. I you just know, I just love how whenever I ask you about your amazing mysterious lyrics, you always say, "Well, what did you hear?" You know, I'm always looking for a clarification, and then it becomes, you know, "Well, what did you hear? What did it mean to you?" You know, I think that's what's Are you super cool. Or well, you know, kind of circling back to that though, dude. Um, Nobody can hear you because you're not on the mic. Okay, are you saying that to me or somebody else? Oh, uh, uh, child was chiming in. Oh. Okay. Hello, Cesar. Hey, what's up? Hi, my friend. Hey, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good, you know? It's good to hear your voice always. Yeah, you as well, you as well. I get to see you on, I get to keep up with Miss Cha through your social media posts and stuff, so I feel like I kind of generally know what's going on, so... Yeah, I posted some oh, really yeah. cool shrinky dink final exams the other day. That was really dope. <laughs> yeah. Do you see those? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. That's really hot cool, man. Shit, right? <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. hot. I was uh, like, damn, you guys. Yeah. Why can't we have your art students just design the artwork for the albums? They and can. For, they totally would be. It's well, like free labor. Yeah. And I, you, get, I, you get like. A bunch of different interpretations. Yeah. Well, I continually. Like, oh, this is your next art project, kids. Seth, you know a, I continually exploit my students on, yeah, on a yearly maybe basis. Maybe make it an official project. Be like, here's yeah, hell here's, yeah. here's yeah, but my here's the thing. band. I don't, here's the band. Here's their concept. I want you to come up with some graphic design ideas for this band. We do that. I just and, don't like anything called official. Like, I'm just like, yeah, it's your idea. You guys came up with it. Well, it will be their idea. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. It's like, that's the key to creative success is to make the, th the person that is creating it think, uh, think yeah, that I they're like completely in control when they're not. <laughs> Well, I'm sure you have the. Um, Same be tricky. With I'm it. sure you. I'm sure you can finesse it. Yeah. And you probably have the wisdom and the and the know-how how to make them feel completely like it's their idea and empowered. And, of course, every year, then, every year, every day, <laughs> yeah. every mind, every heart. You know. Cool. Cesar, what you cool, doing? Cool. I miss you. Yeah, you know we miss you guys too. Uh, I'm glad that we're emerging. Yeah. Or at least there's a beginning of emerging from this, you know. The catacombs. Uh, you know, yeah, terrible past year. And, yeah, I'd love to get out there and see you guys if you guys are cool with it. Uh, Chat, I'm curious to hear what you had to say about oh, yeah. the lyrics. So, 
Um, I just was like watching or I was like doing a couple things over in my area of, of the yard. And I heard that Elliot was asking about, um, oh, please tell, you know, please talk about the, um, the depth of the lyrics that y'all or I didn't know if he was talking about you or Seth, but I would like, I chime, I wanted to chime in as somebody who's listened to both of, well, mainly with you, Cesar, um, your, the haunted amps, but you as a human being for years before that as well, just as a speaker of, of English, of like, like speaking the language of communication and being pretty hilarious and poignant, um, and with Seth, who doesn't speak that much, like he's like a kind of quieter speaker, like just both of you guys have a real intensely poetic depth to your writing that is always really great because it's understated. Like it's, it's one of those things where you might, just be the type of right I know Seth is I can't speak for you as much because I don't know you as well as I know Seth but um dude you know dude look I'm gonna be honest man here in Beyonder right now um it, dude it gave me chills man yeah, because me too it was a very it's a very transitional time meaning that it was the end of it was getting close to be the end of Spectre in the cab I think Bethel was probably getting close to being on the way out and I always felt that song, like hearing it now, it's like, I wish that would have been part of our repertoire because I think that that would have been really cool to play live and to continue to develop, you know what I mean? Right. And to get it tighter, tighter and tighter. Yeah, like, yeah. not trying to be, you know, uh, like it gave me kind of like, it made the hair on my arm stand up a little bit as we were listening to it. It's kind yeah. of emotional because like, man, that, that song, that song fucking well, rocks, dude. <laughs> it <laughs> does know? rock. And sometimes like, the thing that makes my hand hair on my ear stand up is like uh, not knowing how we did it, you know? Like, I know we were in the <laughs> studio. I know yeah. we, I set up microphones. I know we played. I know, like, we did tracks. I know we did overdubs. and But I just can't mm -hmm. put my finger on, like, how it came to... I know it was your songwriting baby, you know? And... I, and and yeah, dude, I, it's like, how did we do that? You know, that's like the thing that brings the hair up on my arms. It's like not knowing how it came to fruition, not knowing how it came into existence. Hey, Cesar you know? and, just and like, Seth, I'm sorry, you know, but I have to yeah. go cook some cheeseburgers. Thank you, Chad. Nice, that was an excellent question, by the way. Love you, Cesar. Yeah, I love you too, Chad. Great to hear from you. Cesar Aguilar, thank you for uh, calling in to the Factor 5 Records podcast. It's been a pleasure talking to you today and really yeah, brother. some of the greatest hits of the catalog. Uh, look for Haunted Amps recordings to be out imminently. Uh, Spectre in the Cab, man, that is a record that needs to be out there for sure. Thank you for uh, talking to us today. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the podcast. You got it, guys. Thanks for having me, man. And uh, y'all take care out there. I look forward to uh, connecting with you guys soon, man. You know it. All right. Love Peace. you, brother. Later. Later, brother. Bye-bye.
Seth Gibson. Seth yeah. Gibson, yeah. it's been a pleasure talking to you today on the 525 Records podcast. Uh, do you have any closing uh, thoughts, any last words, any shots you want to give? Any plugs? You can find... I just, I just appreciate the grill. And... Uh, and uh, <laughs> you can find... You can find Seth Gibson no, and his on. music Rewind all over it. the internet. Cut that. Um, I appreciate... Um, every opportunity to make music and I appreciate my family and I appreciate you trained for uh, rescuing obscure projects and uh, well uh, I appreciate you, know, you for appearing on the 525 records I appreciate podcast. Cha specifically for cleaning the grill right now don't forget 525records.com uh, you can find us on social media at 525records Seth Gibson uh, check him out. He's got a number of amazing albums. Something like Tragedy is out there on Spotify, iTunes. Check it out. The single "The Prey" is uh, by far the highly, oh, most highly recommended single from the South Gibson catalog. Not, by, I, not by me, though. To be honest, well, by oh, me, yeah. by me. Okay, I'm recommending it All right. as the most highly recommended single. Just cut me out of that, then. 525records.com Seth Gibson Thank you, Elliot You got it Good talking to you 525records podcast We'll catch you next time